Well, today, as always, we will open the Bible and take a look at some scriptures. But uh, instead of traveling on our normal course through the Bible, we will pause from that today and take a look at the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, of course, know from scripture and from history itself that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified, dead, and buried, and his body was placed in a tomb. And of course, the scriptures tell us the reason that all of this took place. Of course, he died for the sin of the world, the sin that has destroyed the souls of men and women ever since the very first sin in the Garden of Eden. And that sin, of course, separates mankind from a holy and an eternal God, the God of all creation, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of mankind. And I encourage you, if you don't do so already, to take the time to become a student of the Bible so that you may know the wonderful story of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible paints a beautiful picture from beginning to end of the redemption of mankind, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And of course, in our weekly study, we just finished Revelation, and we will be starting Genesis next week. But the God that the Bible informs us of is a God of love, a God of everlasting love. He is a God of love so much so that though he is a spirit, he became flesh and he dwelt among mankind. And that, of course, is the story of Jesus Christ. And Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sin and to bring us back into a right relationship, an eternal relationship with our Creator, our Heavenly Father. You see, the cross represented the end to sin and death. But the good news is the resurrection offered a new beginning into everlasting life, a life in heaven with God, our Creator. So today we will discuss the resurrection. And if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to, or chapter 15, excuse me. I'm going to start there. You see, for many people today, today may just be about celebrating the beginning of spring. Maybe the giving of gifts and flowers, the Easter bunny, candy, and so forth. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a very big deal indeed. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, there would be absolutely no reason at all for any of us to gather here this morning. There would be no reason for us to gather on any Sunday, for that matter, if not for the resurrection. No reason to pray, no reason to sing these songs of praise, no reason for us to read the Bible. And quite frankly, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, life itself would be nothing more than vanity. It would all be in vain. Now I know that these are some very bold statements that I'm making here, but you'll see what I'm talking about here in just a moment. You see, what if after Jesus died, they took his body and they just placed it in the tomb, and that was the end of the story. What if there really was no such thing as a resurrection? 
Well, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about that. Starting down in verse 13, it says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. You see that? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So the Apostle Paul here, the one who originally wrote this letter to the Corinthian people, he is dealing with this subject of the resurrection from the dead. And some were saying that there is no resurrection from the dead. And at the end of this life, it's over. You are done. You just cease to exist, right? And Paul says, not so. And he says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus Christ himself is not risen. And then in verse 14, he continues and says, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So do you see why I made all those bold statements about everything we do as believers being in vain if not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Twice we see here in these verses that without the resurrection, our faith is empty and futile. Why would we come and worship someone or seek to learn about someone that came to the earth, but everything about him ended with his death. And if we as Christians are to be people who are dead to the things of the, of the world as the Bible instructs us to be, but we have no hope after this life, then our faith would be meaningless. Why follow the scriptures if this life is all there is? Why give up a couple of, of your precious hours on Sunday morning if this life is all there is? But of course we know that that is not the case. There is a resurrection. There is a resurrection awaiting these bodies of ours as well. And it all began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, His Spirit has come within you and you now know within you the power of the resurrection. And the power of the resurrection is indeed something that can be in each one of us. There is a power to the resurrection. The empty tomb provided for us an opportunity of an everlasting and abundant life, a fruitful life, even here on this side of heaven. You see, life doesn't end upon the deaths of these bodies of ours. This life is biblically described, this life we're currently living right now, it's biblically described as a vapor. In other words, it's temporary at best. And these bodies of ours are biblically described as tents. Some place we're just dwelling for a short period of time, right? So, they, these bodies were never meant to be our permanent dwelling place. And we're going to come out of these bodies someday. But let's continue on here. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read verse 16 again. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. 
you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Now, as I always do, I'm teaching this morning from the New King James Version of the Bible. The King James Version of the Bible says there in verse 19, though, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Can you imagine if this life is all there is? Let's say you get 90 years of life on this earth and you achieve great things. You accumulate great wealth, but then it all comes to an abrupt end in some way. And then there's nothing. Scripture says here that in, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Think about it. Here on this earth, there's death, there's sickness, there's natural disasters, there's pain, there's suffering, there's sorrow, there's poverty, there's disease. Jesus said we will have troubles in this world, but he also said that we can be of good cheer. Why? Because he has overcome. Because he has overcome. He has risen. Jesus conquered sin. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered the grave. So our hope is in him and in him alone. Now I want to show you a story about a man named Solomon. I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. If you need to look it up in the index of your Bible, please feel free to do so. Ecclesiastes. If you find the book of Psalm, keep going to the right past Proverbs and you'll find it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Again, this is a, the writing of Solomon, a man who set his heart to get all that he could out of this world and this temporary life. And he had all the riches to do so. And uh, looking down at verse 12, so Ecclesiastes 1, 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Verse 1, chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. 
I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of the kings and the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of sons and men, and musical instruments of all kind. So I became great and excelled more than all who were in Jerusalem before me. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, it was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Now we'll stop there. But you see, if not for the resurrection, what I want to point out here, if not for the resurrection, then these words of King Solomon here would be descriptive of each and every one of our lives as well. This life could just be described as chasing after the wind. Our lives would be empty and vain, even if we gain all that there is to gain in this world. Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But you see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead brings to those that have placed their trust in Him, those that have surrendered their lives completely to Him, those that, that realize that He is the way, the truth, and the life, a power works within us at that point and gives us hope and gives us peace and gives us the truth that this life is not all there is. There is a resurrection from the dead. There is a place we will be for all eternity. So with all of this in mind, understanding the importance of the resurrection, I want us to take a look at the gospel accounts of the resurrection this morning. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 and starting in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. 
There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So here we see that a bribery had taken place. These guards received money to keep quiet about the greatest event in human history. They were instructed to keep the truth quiet and to instead spread a lie. But I can't help as I read that but to think about how the same thing happens in our world today. The truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in so many ways kept quiet today. And instead, a lie is spread throughout the whole world. The lie that you can live this life without knowing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your heart. And for those that have not been born again of the Spirit, those that have not received the resurrected Christ into their hearts, they have in, in a sense believed a lie. They have believed that they can find fulfillment in the things of this world, like Solomon searched for. And they believe that, right? And they look for enjoyment in things that do nothing to actually satisfy the soul and to bring true peace and contentment within the heart. Things that ultimately bring destruction and heartache to those who chase after them, those who seek after them. And that's why I had you go and read the story of Solomon in our scriptures, because he set his heart to go after it all, and it left him empty, and he realized that it was all vanity. But you know, sadly, unfortunately, many Christians people that do know the power of the resurrection in their heart. Sadly, they keep the truth of the resurrection hidden, and they don't share the love of Christ with the, with the people around them, right? And we shouldn't do that. The good news of the gospel is not only that Jesus died for our sins, of course, that was necessary for our salvation, but the good news today is that He is risen, and He is alive, and we can know Him. And others need to know Him. And that by His Spirit, He will come inside of a person that desires Him. And that repents and seeks after Him. That is the power of the resurrection. And when the power of His resurrection becomes a reality in our hearts, the things of this world around us grow, as the old hymn says, strangely dim. And the things of this world begin to, to lose their luster, their shine, because we're focused on the things of Christ and on the things of eternity.
Okay? So I've, so I've mentioned a few times here the power of the resurrection. Where do I get that from? Let me show you. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. It's to the right of the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. This, of course, is written by the Apostle Paul as well to believers that gathered together in the city of Philippi. And he writes them here in chapter 3 and verse 7. He says, But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you see that? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So you see, there is a resurrection power that we can know. With Christ risen and alive in our hearts, sin cannot have dominion in our lives. Right? Do we stumble in this life? Yes. Do we trip up? We do. But sin does not need to rule and reign in us to the point that it dominates our lives. Okay? You know, James said in the book of James chapter 1, it says, each one of us is tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed. What does it mean we're drawn away? What are we drawn away from? We're drawn away from Christ. We're drawn away from focusing on Him. And when we do, we're enticed, right? And it says, then when that desire, so it starts with that desire, and when, when that desire is conceived, it says, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So you see, when we find ourselves not experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, it's not that Christ has failed us. We need to examine our own hearts, as 1 Corinthians says, right? And to see whether we're in the faith or not, okay? And we need to see if maybe we are focused too much on our own desires rather than on the will of God for our lives that we find in the Holy Scriptures. And we need to be careful because when we are focused on our own desires, then that is when we will give birth to sin, in our lives. And we find ourselves drifting away from the faith. Sin just simply means missing the mark. And the mark is Jesus Christ. He's the one we are to be focused on. And we can find ourselves drifting away. And when we do, we're not experiencing that resurrection power. And Paul's saying, I count everything lost. All I want to do is focus on Jesus, knowing Jesus and knowing his resurrection power. That's all I want, Paul says. But this can happen to any of us at any time where we can drift away and our lives are no longer about seeking our Creator, seeking our God and our Savior. 
But again, there is this resurrection power that can guide our lives. But we must be submitted to and yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Dead to ourselves, dead to that self-led life, and alive in Christ Jesus. So, we looked at Matthew's account of the resurrection. And now I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And we'll start reading down in verse 9. Mark 16, 9. It says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So there's a little bit more of the story we get in Mark, right? He had cast seven demons. So this indeed is a woman that was changed by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says that she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So picture this scene. The disciples, they're hiding, they're away, they're, they're mourning, they're weeping. Why? Because Jesus is dead. Their Savior, the one they followed, right? Verse 11, or at least they thought he was anyway, right? Verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared to another, uh, in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So here we see... The disciples are being rebuked by Jesus for their hardness of heart. You see, the Lord, again, He wants you and me in a place where we're walking completely by faith in Him. We're trusting in Him. Right? He had already told His disciples that He would rise from the dead, but their hearts were hardened and they didn't trust completely in what Jesus had said, what He had told them. And you know, He has also told us something through His Word, hasn't He? He has told us that He is coming again. He has told us that He's coming back. And we need to make sure that this world doesn't harden us to this fact. That our hearts don't become hardened by unbelief. As committed followers of Jesus Christ, our eyes are not to be fixed on the things of this world. Our hope is not in the economy. Our hope's not in the stock market, the job market, the housing market, or any of the markets. Our hope is in Jesus. And if we're not careful, our hearts can become hardened to Him by the other things that we focus on in this life. See, we have a risen Savior. He is alive. And He is coming again. And in Him alone, we are to place our trust. And you know, when we focus on the things of this world, we do begin to place our trust in them. And it will cause our hearts to become harder and harder to the things of God. And this has happened to many people. 
and it's happened to many people that have even come and professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. The world in one way hardens them and they turn away. But you see, God just does, or the Lord doesn't want to just be a part of a religion, your religion, right? He doesn't want second or third place in your life. He doesn't want you just devoted to him on one day of the week, on Sunday mornings. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He knows we have need of things in this world, and he said he knows that. He said he'll add all those things to us, but he said to seek first the kingdom of God. And that word first is a word that means priority. That's your top priority. So place the Lord above all else. Like I said earlier here, Jesus told his disciples he would rise from the dead, but they didn't really place their complete trust in his word, in what he said. And today, you and I have the word to place our faith upon and to stand upon and in what the Lord has said. And again, like I said, he's told us that he will come again, and we need to be careful not to make the same mistake we see the disciples here made. You know, if, you lose, if we lose our jobs or we lose our homes, our hope hasn't changed because as a disciple of Jesus Christ, our hope is in the one who never changes. Because just like I said earlier, these bodies are temporary. Well, this world is temporary at best as well. We studied that in Revelation. We saw that heaven and the old heaven and the old earth will all pass away. Everything that we see, we talked about that in Revelation. It'll all pass away, but there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be a new place for us to dwell, the new Jerusalem. We will be in heaven, right? So this world is temporary, and we cannot make the mistake of holding too tightly onto the things of this world and seeking it. The Lord has a plan for your life, and his plan is to bring you the hope of eternity. But this hope also brings us an abundant life here because Jesus is the anchor to our soul. And when the storms of this life rage, and they do rage from time to time, but Jesus gets us through it. And he gives us peace in our hearts. He is our place of refuge and an ever-present help in time of need. And he is risen. And we can know that resurrection power. And you know, I'm not making everything up I just said. Everything that I just said to you is found in the Word of God. And we must fully understand the fact that Jesus is alive and that he desires to lead and guide us through this life by his Spirit. So, you see, true joy is not found in the things of this world. True joy is found in the fact that Jesus has overcome. Jesus has risen from the dead. And again, don't let this world have so much of your mind, so much of your soul, so much of your attention that it consumes your heart. And then it then hardens your heart to the things of God. So we've looked at Matthew's account. We've looked at Mark's account. I want to look at one more account this morning, and that's the Gospel of Luke. So let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24.
And let's start reading in verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. So just another account here from Luke. But you see, when these women got back to the disciples, we see that they had reported what they had seen and heard, but it says that their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. And again, to many people today, the story of the resurrection has become like an idle tale to them. In some ways, it's like a fairy tale. It's about Easter, the Easter bunny, eggs, uh, bonnets and baskets and such, right? You see, for many people, the stone has not been rolled away from their hardened hearts. And they have not received the risen Lord into their lives. And this is... I know true, this is the person that I once was. I once was that person, okay? But let's read on. Verse 12, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen, the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. You see, as I, as I read that, it makes me think, when you realize the resurrection power in your life, you begin to walk through this life marveling at the work that the Lord Jesus does in your heart. Your perspective you know, changes drastically. For me, I look back on a time when I spent my life without the risen Lord in my heart, and I marvel now at the impact that He has had on my life. But this is what will happen to everyone that will surrender their lives completely to Jesus Christ. They'll begin to marvel at His work. Let's read on verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So, you see, these guys are walking along and they're sad. 
And the reason they're sad is because they haven't seen the resurrected Christ yet. They knew he was risen from the dead, but they hadn't seen him yet. How did they know? They were told that he was risen from the dead. But, and he was right there with them. And today, he's right here with you and me today. But some people just aren't seeing him. Verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women in our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. So this is kind of a funny story to me, right? Jesus is letting these guys tell his story while he's right there with them. But we see there in verse 24 that they saw, the, they, they saw that the tomb was empty. They heard that he was alive, but they hadn't seen him. And again, that's the case for many people today. They know the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they're not seeing Jesus. So again, the story is nothing more than an idle tale to many people. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is more than just a story about Jesus. Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 11, Jesus said exactly that. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And that's why we can know the resurrection power when Christ comes in us. So you see, you can know the story. But until you have surrendered your life to Jesus by faith, you will not know the power of his resurrection within you, right? The Bible speaks of a people that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. In other words, they may appear to be religious. They may appear to have it all together, but they don't know the power of Christ within them because they have not personally surrendered their lives to him to seek after him. And there's a big difference between having a head knowledge of Jesus and having a heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. And a person begins to, to see the, the resurrected Christ and, and they begin to know his power when they have repented of chasing after the wind like Solomon talked about. When they have repented of chasing after the things of this world and they make the Lord the top priority. And to truly know the resurrected Christ, we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We must lay aside our own desires and seek him with all of our hearts. Now for the sake of time, let's skip down to verse 44. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. 
that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So you see, by his resurrection power within us, Jesus will open our eyes to the truth of the scriptures. We just need to let the stone be rolled away from our hearts and surrender to him. We need to die to ourselves and let go of chasing after the wind, right? We must trust completely in Jesus. And then we will know the resurrection power of Christ within us. Verse 46, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance... And remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them, and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So it says that repentance is to be preached in his name. Again, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is experienced after we turn from trusting in ourselves, from trusting in the things of this world and living the way we want to live. We repent, we surrender to Jesus, and then this then causes us to have great joy. And it gives us a desire within to be continually praising and blessing God, like we see here. As I mentioned earlier, the finality of the cross put an end to the power of, the, of sin and death. But the resurrection gives us the power of a new life in Jesus Christ and a hope and a future. The cross of Christ represented an end, but the resurrection marks a new and an everlasting beginning. The beginning of a new life, an eternal life, and a life filled with internal peace and hope. So today we've seen the Gospel of Matthew and we've seen in the Gospel of Mark as well. But we saw in the Gospel of Mark where it said that Jesus was crucified and is risen. And for you and me today, there must be a was and an is. We have died to what was and we have risen to what is. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in us is our hope of glory. You see, the stone in front of our hearts must be rolled away and we must receive Jesus Christ into our hearts. And do you know what's interesting? The stone in front of the tomb really didn't need to be rolled away for Christ to come out because Jesus in his resurrected body could pass right through material barriers because you can read the, uh, John chapter 20 and see that that is a fact, right? But the stone was rolled away so that others could see that Jesus was risen from the dead. So today, if you know the risen Lord, then don't keep it a secret. Live it out. 
You don't need to be an obnoxious person beating people over the head with judgment. Just live out the love that Jesus has shown you and others will be attracted to that love. But if today you have a stone in front of your heart, then commit your life to Jesus. If you feel something pricking on the inside of you, poking at you, then that's the Spirit of the Lord that's working in you. Let the stone be rolled away and come and experience His resurrection power because it will cause you to marvel at the work that Jesus will do in your heart. And today, if you need someone to pray with you about anything, don't be ashamed to ask afterwards. I would love to pray for you. I'd be blessed to do so. Because if there's a stirring in your heart, again, it's from the Holy Spirit, and it's because of the Word of God, don't ignore it. Remember, Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is coming again. And you can know that resurrection power of Christ in you by surrendering your life and your heart completely to him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you again for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us alone. You have given us your Holy Spirit. You have given us your word, Lord, that we might grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. And I pray for each and every one of us here today, Lord, that we would desire to know you more. Lord, that we would surrender more of our lives to you this day, Lord, in complete surrender or an absolute surrender. That we might know your resurrection power within us. I pray that as we go forth into a new week, Lord, that you would go before us, Lord, but also that we would set time aside, Lord, to seek you each and every day. Lord, that we would study your word this week. Lord, that we would seek you in prayer. And Lord, that we would let your love rule and reign in our hearts, Lord, because the world we will know that we are Christians. The world will know that we are your followers by the love that we have, Lord, because you have given us of your love and you have given us your love to share with others, Lord. So we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I gave you uh, the accounts from Matthew.